Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Sanctum Podcast. For the first time in 2022, uh, we are here to preview round one and to look at all the burning questions that are facing you and your Supercoach team um, ahead of the start of season 2022. As always, I'm joined by Jasper and Matt. Boys, how are we? Mate, it has been too long. We're on the eve of the season. Uh, Wednesday night is fast approaching with the first game. Firstly, Foz, congratulations on the move back down to Victoria, the Golden Country. Um, it's it's fantastic to have you back, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, mate, it's uh, it's exciting to be back um, down in the the lush green land of Geelong, uh, covering the Cats this year, which I'm very excited by. Um, so yeah, if you've got any any scoops for me, community, hit me up and. Uh, let me uh, let me talk about some some Geelong Cats boys. But today I'm excited just to be talking Supercoach with you fellas. We're on the eve of the, the 2022 season and uh, couldn't be more excited and nervous to get underway. Well, let's pop straight in um, and we'll look at some burning questions or the burning questions that are facing many Supercoaches. Um, and we'll start with the rookies. Um, Matt, I'll throw straight back to you. Who do you reckon... Um, are the rookies that are most likely to play round one. Uh, I think we've got a few confirmations already, um, but but what does their job security and scoring potential look like? Yeah, starting off in the back line, we've had a couple of rookies named already. Um, obviously, the big one, Paddy McCartan at 157K has been named to make Huge. his debut for Sydney, which is really exciting. He's going to play that sort of centre-half back role um, for them. And I, I do think his scoring potential... Uh, is pretty good. I'd envisage around a 70-point average, so decent enough to sit on your field. Um, And also his job security seems pretty good. Obviously, the health concerns around him uh, are a bit troublesome and a bit worrying, but for now, he's named. He's looking pretty set into that best 22, and uh, fingers crossed that he can get his body right and we don't have to worry about too many concussion reports going forward. Um, Another one is Josh Gibkus at 171K, being named, uh, announced earlier today, just to date the podcast a little bit. Um, sitting at 171K and obviously as a key defender, it's probably um, a touch more expensive than you'd like to spend on someone who's going to be playing a lockdown role. But looking at his footy in the previous, uh, when he was playing as a junior, he was always, you know, had a really good, you know, ability to read the play and anticipate the the high balls and the sky balls. And so that intercepting role uh, does bear a lot of fruit, whether he gets that at Richmond is, is interesting um, and, and a question mark, I guess, over his scoring potential. But 65 in the preseason was was pretty nice and and hopefully he can bring that sort of average for the whole season. But yeah, as I said, a little bit more expensive than you probably like. Um, I'd probably go Paddy McCartan over him. Uh, and then going into the forward lo- uh, sorry, the midfield, Brady Hoff has been named at 117K, going to be playing for the uh, West Coast Eagles in that decimated side. So... <laughs> Job, job security there is pretty good at this at this point in time. Hopefully, he can generate some cash and not a lot of limelight on him. Jasper, you know any much about the Hoff, the new Hoff? Yeah, he's um he's I'm from Margaret River. He's a HBL boy, so Harvey Brunswick Leshenold. He grew up probably an hour away from me, so same footy league. Um, played against his older brother for he played for HBL. Um, and yeah, they come from their tough stock uh, where we're from. Um, and he's. He's going to be a he's going to be a real goer. I think he's going to slot into that back six to start off. You know, they've lost guys like um, Brad Shepard over the offseason. So I think there's definitely a role for him to cement a spot uh, for 22 rounds this season. He, he was taken around pick 31, 32 on um, the national draft. And that's probably where I expect him to go because 
he just every level that he went up from he, about 18 months ago he was playing the Southwest Football League. Um, he moved to the Colts in the waffle. Then he got a taste of league in, in his final game after dominating the Colts and, and had 20 yard touches and 10 marks. He, he looks like a, a guy that's just, you know, really good at every level he plays at. And he looked pretty comfortable in the Amy series as well. So I think that he's a guy that we can absolutely lock onto our bench at 117K in the midfield. I want to um, go back to, to the defense quickly. You mentioned Gibkus, you mentioned McCartan. Another guy I'm interested in, a slightly inflated rookie price, is Mitch Hinge, who missed their pracky on the weekend, but has been training well over this week by all reports. Um, at 180K, I feel like he's almost safer than Paddy McCartan and Josh Gibkus to be a guy that you can field um, to start the season. You'd have to think sort of playing for the Crows that he's... <laughs> yeah, definitely. You definitely got a bit more job security. Sorry to just absolutely do a drive by on Adelaide two minutes into the podcast, but um, yeah, I think he's probably probably decent. Yeah, decent in terms of job security, and I guess yeah, that security of his role there as well. Foz, if you had to rank those three uh, for on field, where are you going? Well, I guess it really comes down to the role that Hinge ends up playing. Like, obviously, named or oh, he's selectable in the back line. There is talk of him playing a little bit on the wing or on the ball, um, which is really super coach friendly, but it does depend on where he slots in. And, and obviously Adelaide's going to a more um, youthful, youthful team. And as they, you know, trying to fast track this rebuild, especially Rory Laird missing the first month of footy is definitely going to help um, his claims to get a midfield role. Um, I'd probably put him, yeah, just above Paddy McCartan, but at that price point, um, I, I do like McCartan as a, as a cheaper pick, uh, especially when I'm, a bit strapped for cash at this late point of the uh, preseason going into round one. Um, and then obviously uh, talking a little bit about Gibkiss, he's not sitting in my side at the moment. Um, as I said, 171K is probably a bit too expensive, especially considering that I'm only going to be fielding one rookie um, in the back line. Uh, my, my back line is pretty set with four premiums and then Heath Chapman. Um, so I don't really want to have 171K sitting on the bench, not doing much except for earning coin at a relatively slow rate. So um, McCartan for me at this point, but Hinge is probably the better scoring potential option. Well, I reckon we can um, talk about Heath Chapman as well because he's 275K. If you're holding him in Foz, I, I trust it. I think the best comparison for him, um, which is almost a glowing endorsement for him in the AFL, is Will Day. I think they're really similar kind of guys. They're tall, but they play a little bit smaller than their height in, in a good way. They're agile and fast, speedy out of the back line, use the ball well. Um, I think Chapman could have the upside of what Will Day produced in his second season last year where he got injured, yes, but he also averaged 80 points. Um, and if, if Chapman can do that, he's almost a must-have. Um, and if we knew he was going to do that, he'd be in every single side um, to start the season. So I think that he is a guy that we can definitely be looking at for that slightly more expensive 275K price point. Yeah, he's definitely my pick as, um, I guess, the, the GF 2.0. Um, obviously, Changwath GF last season had a really yeah. good uh, breakout season for Hawthorne and was really exciting off the halfback line. And it's going to be interesting watching Hawks just to sidetrack a little bit this year with how many halfbacks and sort of wing players that we do have able to play that rebounding role. But I think Chapman will, will slot in pretty nicely. Um, he's 193 centimetres, so he is a little bit taller than Will Day. But as you said, really good when the ball hits the ground. He's, he's very agile and very mobile for a big biggest sort of player and he's got a really good kick and good footy smarts about him so I think he's going to play as that 
not as that primary rebounding role. Um, that's probably still going to be a little bit of Jordan Clark as he moved over from Geelong, um, but also Luke Ryan. Um, but he's going to bit of Hayden Young as well. There's, there's plenty of options, but I think as that sort of third, fourth tall option, Heath Chapman's going to just float in, take a, a bunch of intercept marks that you don't think he's going to take, um, and then also be able to rebound pretty nicely when he's called upon to do that. Good chance of taking a few kickouts as well. And also Nathan Wilson, um, who did impact Heath Chapman's, um, I guess, or take up his position a fair bit last year. Yeah. Looks like he's going to be out for the whole season with a shoulder reco. That's not confirmed yet. We're still waiting for confirmation on that. But it looks like he's going to miss at least most of the season, potentially all the season with a um, with an AC joint surgery. So um, that opens up another spot for a sort of rebounding role um, for Fremantle, which I think Heath Chapman will definitely take. Yeah, that's terrible news for Wilson, obviously, but um, some good job security for those guys in the back line for Freo. I think, um, think another guy, similar, a bit more expensive, but sort of just in that real sort of mid-price or price point um, is George Hewitt. I'm a Blues man um, and he is in my team, but um, what are your guys' thoughts on him? Because I think, um, yeah, based on the way he, he played in that that pracky game against the Ds, um, I think he's I think he's got a really solid role at Carlton, almost sort of taking over from, from Ed Kerno a little bit. Um, sort of a, a run with role, but I think his his ability to rack up a few um, few touches is going to be pretty handy as well. You know how like all the shops go like instead of it's instead of it being four bucks, just three ninety nine to make it look cheaper. <laughs> this is exactly what is happening with George Hill right now. He's three ninety nine k. If he was four hundred k, I reckon he'd have half the ownership that he does right now because four hundred k is a hell of a lot to pay. I know that he's going to have a role that he's never had in his career before, and he'll probably beat his career average and and or career high average for a season. Uh, like the the role that Carlton's really nice, but there there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed through there, and, and a lot of capable players through the Carlton engine room, which we haven't talked about in a couple of years, or maybe since Chris Judd was around. They got Sam Walsh, Paddy Cripps. And now Adam Chera, who are all going to be, you know, 100 plus guys you'd, you'd expect easily. I don't think that George Hewitt is, you know, going to get away from those defensive roles when you have those guys going through the midfield. I think, um, yes, he's going to play pure CBAs, but is it actually a, a friendly role for Supercoach when he's going to have a couple tagging jobs? He's going to have a, a sweeper role through that kind of, through that midfield um, the entire time, Foz? He's, he's one that I've been a little bit interested in. And, and the way that I look at it um, is that, yeah, he, he's probably going to be, if there's going to be anyone out of that midfield, he's probably going to be the one who plays a defensive role. But I don't think that he's going to be an exclusive tagger in some games. I, I think that they might say, all right, well, you Nat Fife needs to be run with or, you know, whoever it may be, Dusty Martin, if he's in the midfield or, or whatever. Um, he's going to have that sort of role where he lines up on him and just because he's a very good tackler we do know that but he can also accumulate himself and we have seen that in the preseason where he's been able to you know get plenty of the ball that Melbourne game he really shone through but with Walsh out there's been a lot of question marks over that I don't think Walsh really affects Hewitt's role I think that's more of a Matt Kennedy will be will revert back to sort of a half forward coming through the midfield rather than being a a semi-permanent midfielder um, so I do think that that his position in the side, or at least in that that friendly role, is going to be pretty safe. Um, but also, we've been talking about for you mentioned it, Jasper. We've been talking about for years how Paddy Cripps needed has needed help for just since he was almost drafted. So Sam Walsh has come in; he's a very good inside mid, but also can play on the outside very clean with by boot. Um, Adam Chera, we know that he's also very clean on the outside of the contest, but can win his own ball. Whereas Hewitt is genuinely a 
toughen inside mid, can get his own ball, feed it out, exactly what Paddy Cripps has needed for, for so long as a sort of partner in crime. He's not doesn't have the flash of the, the Sam Walsh or the Adam Chera, obviously, and that's probably fair enough. But he's going to be the one who's going to be on the inside of the packs, getting it out, shoveling it out, as Paddy Cripps has done. Um, and I think that that role is pretty safe and, and relatively friendly for scoring in Supercoach. So at 399K, he's, a, he's an interesting prospect. I don't think he's a keeper. I think he might average 90, maybe 95 points. Um, and at that price, he's probably not going to make you the 150K that you need to jump up to that Uber premium when they drop in price a little bit. So for me, it's, it's a it's a weird one. That's why I think Heath Chapman's a better option because he's probably not going to score as well as, as Hewitt, but he is going to make that money a lot easier. Um and also it just allows me to spend, you know, 130K somewhere else on the ground. So um, I do see the appeal of, of picking someone like a Hewitt. I think the role is really friendly and it's pretty safe. Um, but I just don't know if at that price, he's going to really make the money that you need to to get to that next level of player. Yeah, I think I'm team Chapman as well if we're choosing one of those mid-prices in the defence. But you talked about Paddy Cripps and I got burnt by him in the start of last year. I think you did as well, Kako. We both chose Crips over Walsh, which has tormented me for the past 12 months. Do I do it again at 554Ks, even cheaper than he was last year? We were convinced this time last year. Why am I not convinced this time now? Like He, looks, he looked fantastic in that Amy series. And as Foz pointed out, this, this you know, Hewitt coming in, Walsh, you know, being at the level that he has attained so far on the outside of contests. And then also Adam Chera, like, it feels like this is the perfect situation for Paddy Cripps with a healthy back and just a healthy body in general to finally be that top 10 mid that he was, you know, three or four years ago. Are you going to be starting with him, Kako? I am indeed, yeah. I think, um, yeah, 454K um, is, yeah, is an even more handsome price point than, than 554. Foz has got his hands on his head. We'll come to him in a second. but um, Fool me once. Yeah, look, um, I think my, my Carlton loyalty could hurt me here, but I think every every indication of how he played um, in the preseason points points to him being um, a pretty pretty solid pick um, to start the season. Oz, he's bitter, sure. He's looking nice and thin, nice and lean. Um, he did have a really good game and scored really well. Um, and I think a lot of people will admit to uh, getting sucked in a little bit. I was. I was really excited. I was like, oh, Paddy Cripps, he's back. This is the year. He's going to average 120. And then I looked at the Melbourne team list and I looked at the outs and I looked at the ins and he kicked, what, four goals? Four goals? Yeah. Is he going to kick four goals each week? Is he going to play Melbourne's VFL side each week? Well, I mean, Christian Petrarca's on the oh. VFL side. Oh, I know, but one man doesn't make a team, really. Does It's not the oh, NBA. Clary, Max, have... you name them, they were there. Yeah, I know, but... Did Melbourne really get out of second gear? Oh, they no, they weren't to, even in second they're in, gear. They were in neutral, <laughs> slowly rolling down the hill. They kicked I one goal and they're like, that's good enough. <laughs> I think Melbourne is um, would have been a great benchmark if they tried. And I think if he had scored 120 against the Melbourne, that was trying. And, you know, they went down by four or five goals. Then I'd say, oh, Cripps, great option. You know, stuck in with the best team in the comp. Um, against a really good midfield and and played really well, but Melbourne didn't really give you know any care in that game. Cripps obviously looked fantastic, and and I, I think if you're getting sucked in by that, then that's sort of okay. But if you're looking at the Supercoach score by itself, and you're saying, well, he scored 160, he had 28 disposals and kicked four goals, 
you're not looking at it right. If you yeah. look at his body and his movements and his running patterns and the way he tackled and all that, then you go and you go, oh, 454. Okay, he's probably going to average 110. Then I'd say, you know what? Go with it. That's your pick. Some picks work out, some picks don't. But if you look at it and go, he's got 160 um, against Melbourne, really good side. It means you didn't watch the game. You don't know what's happening with it. It's not going to be a good pick. It's not going to turn out how you want it to. Um, it's not like he's back to Brownlow metal form. Um, but in saying that, if you want a cheaper premium, potential premium option, he's not a bad one. I just don't see him averaging over 105 for the year, I don't think. I think that there's too many mouths to feed in that Carlton midfield now. Yeah, he looked bloody good. And I'm stuck in between you and Kako here. I don't think I'm going to start him because his, his price point is, is attractive. But there's one guy that I think I'm going to have in his spot over him. I want to ask you, Kako and Foz, I want to get your thoughts on this. How much more does Paddy Cripps average than the Matty Rao at 342K? Because both of their pre-seasons, you know, they haven't put a foot wrong. Pretty good question. Um, it's it's almost almost funny. I feel like I've, I've forgotten the Matt Rao um, that started 2020 and, and caught everyone's hearts. But yeah, look, I think... I think if Cripps is to average sort of around that 105 mark, it's probably just a little bit more than um, than Rao. Maybe might average just around the 100 mark, I think. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Foz, what are your thoughts? Matty Rao's been locked into my team since Supercoach opened in, what was it, October? I really like the kid. I think last year was he was plagued by injury. Um, but I was also lucky enough to go to the Gold Coast um, training in... Uh, end of November and watch him run and watch him work. Best runner in the team, won every running drill, which I thought was really impressive considering he was coming off a few different niggles and injuries that plagued his 2021. Um, but then also he was doing all these re- really random sort of explosive drills, which with all these resistant pans. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I asked a couple of their guys and he was just saying, oh, he's just recovering and trying to build some of his explosiveness back. And then only in the last couple of days, it's, it's come out that he was battling OP osteitis pubis um, all last year, which um, if you don't know it is, it's, yeah. I guess it, it, generally it's a groin injury, but it, it ruins and hampers your ability to be explosive. Um, so that's something that he was battling through last year, but watching him in the preseason, um, not only at the training, but also in the games, he looked as fit as ever, as strong as ever, but also really explosive, which is um, one thing that I would look at and go, I don't want to pick this player up because he's lost his explosiveness. A midfielder needs that explosion out of a contest, mm-hmm. especially someone like Matt Rowe. Um, if you look at Joey Danaher, he was plagued by it as well. He had a couple of years where he just couldn't get on the park because he was battling this injury, and that does worry me a little bit. Um, but it looks like Matty Rowe is as fit as, he, as he's been. And also, it looks like he's quite strong, but also very lean for someone who's looks so powerful. So um, at 340K, he's... I think he's a must-have. I think he's probably one of the biggest locks of the season. Um, I'll go out and say that now because I reckon he'll average 110 to 115 Oof. this year, and um, and you know it'll be him and the him and Tuke Miller will be just the the perfect tandem pair on the Gold Coast Suns. I'm not starting both of them, but Matty Rao is definitely probably the the most economically friendly pick you'll make all year. Well, Except I, for I maybe Nick have, Yeah, I currently have both Took. And Rao because they looked so good and they're going to get me off to the perfect start against um, the Eagles waffle side. So I feel like 
Took Miller could be a guy that has, has been overlooked because of McRae and Steele, but that's a different that's a different conversation. I want to ask you about Matty Rao's zero marks. I know he's got the inside role and he looked fantastic in the contest, which is the most important part of it. But the best supercoach players have that inside outside kind of game, not just being you know those inside beasts. Is it a little bit concerning that he's not working to get those easy cheap marks and and to up his kicks and that kind of stuff? I don't think so. I, I think that'll come. Um... Once again, in the preseason, all these players, all the good players, at least, uh, you're just looking for particular signs of yeah. of what they're of what you want to see in a role. player. So, yeah. yeah, like whether it's the role or you know, no niggles, no injury concerns, um, whether it's you know, mixing well with the midfielders if you're a ruck or you know, leading up the ground if you're a forward or, or whatever it is, um, you're just looking for little things. And him not taking any marks in a preseason game doesn't concern me because I know that's that's going to come when they you know when the footy hits the deck and the whistle's blown in a couple of days' time, he's going to be hell-bent going for it, almost like a redemption arc for his story <laughs> um, in 2022. So um, people saying, oh, he's not working around the ground hard enough, probably had the same issues with Clayton Oliver in the preseason game against Carlton and Christian Petrarca and Max Gorn, but they're still three of the most popular picks because everyone knows who they are and exactly what's going to happen um, when, you know, the game starts on Wednesday night. So we've gone from Crips at 454k to Raul at 342k. Seems like he's more of a lock than Cripper in your side, Foz, and probably mine as well. But Kako might be going the other way. We come to Jared Berry at 268k. So you must have because he's he's like an overpriced rookie at that price. And you've got to consider you're balancing him with Horn Francis and Dacos, who look like absolute must-starts on the field, and then Josh Ward as well, who had a fantastic aiming series. I'm a big fan of um, Barry, actually. I think I've, I've seen, seen, well, we've seen what he can do um, for the Lions and um, sort of alongside Lockie Neal and, and Hugh McCluggage in that midfield. I'm, I'm really a, a big fan of what he can do. Look, I think 268K, probably almost similar to Heath Chapman, just to that that super low price, um, I think that's that's a pretty makes him a pretty attractive pick. And I guess we know he can he can score plenty of plenty of hundreds and, and probably average average ninety to hundred as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm starting with Barry um, and Raoul and Cripps um, <laughs> and Horn Francis and Dacos. Um, so I've got I've got the full suite, but um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Barry. I do really like him as a pick as well. Um, I don't see a world where you can really start him and Rao. I just think that weakens your midfield a bit too much. It takes up, I mean, the, the players that you want are the premiums, yeah, Ubers that are going to average 120, ideally. That'd be great. Um, and then you want rookies who are going to average, you know, 70 and make you cash. And then there's always a one position for that mid-prizer who you think is going to either break out or return after injury and, and be, you know, someone who's going to average 100, 105. Um, so for me, it's a case of picking between Raul and Berry. Raul's obviously more expensive by you know about 70, 80K. Um, I do think his the potential of scoring is is much greater for for Raul over Berry. Um, obviously we've seen Berry average what was it 90 a couple of seasons ago and then got injured last year. So there is that um, that history that you can back um, Berry in with. But you also need to line up the the midfield that Gold Coast has in comparison to Brisbane. Obviously, we've got Jared Lyons and, and Lockie Neal, who are two superstars of the game, who, while Chris Fagan has said that they're probably not going to be 
key parts of the midfield this year. I don't believe that. I think, you know, if one game is lost because they don't have control over the midfield, they're just going to revert back to their superstars. Zach Bailey's apparently going to get more midfield minutes. Cam Rayner's going to get more midfield minutes. Hugh McCluggage is going to get more midfield minutes. There's all these players who are, are, are really good midfielders for the for Brisbane, and it's about balancing their, um, I guess, that that rotation and and who's getting how many CBAs each each week. Um, while Jared Berry is, is probably going to slot in there and get some of those CBAs, I don't see what he has that's different to those players. I think he's he's like a B-grade version of all of them in all these little different pieces. So I don't think he's going to be as important to the mixture. Um, and there is that potential for him to drop out of that um, that rotation if there is a bad game played or, you know, they, they're getting beaten. I don't think they're going to say, well, you know, Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca are demolishing us this week. Let's get Jared Berry in there. It's going to be, let's get Lockie Neal feeding it out to Hugh McCluggage or Jared Lyons who can hit up a target. If we want a bit of explosion in there, Cam Rain is our guy. Um, it, there's just too much going on with the Brisbane midfield. For me, that says Jared Berry is down the pecking order a bit. Um, while I think he can probably average 85 to 95 pretty easily if he gets a good role, um, I think that someone like Matty Rao could potentially average 115 if he gets everything right. And I don't see that happening with Jared Berry. So I'm more than happy to pay the extra cash in this situation. If you look back on the, the, the defensive line, when I was saying that Heath Chapman over um, George Hewitt, um, it's the opposite for me because I just see Matty Rao potentially being that next breakout star and averaging going to uber premium levels if he gets everything right. Whereas I don't think Jared Berry's got that this year. I think he'll be a nice little piece and, and definitely make it cash if you're after cash generation. But ideally, Matty Rao's a, a, a M7, M8 by the end of the season. Yeah, I think... Um... Barry at best is like maybe fifth rotation into that midfield, maybe even sixth. You include Cam Raider, Zach Bailey, Hugh McCluggage, Jared Lyons, Lockie Neal. Like it, it runs really deep right now. We haven't even talked about Dane Zorka, who will be coming back from injury as well. I think the other thing we need to consider here is that Jared Lyons had about 20, 25% CBAs through the preseason. And they talked about him playing a bit more forward and that kind of stuff. But He's not going to have 20% CBAs in a game that they're trying to win. And you can't tank too many games. You can't uh, mess with the formula too much during the regular season. It's, you know, the top four spots are just too hotly contested. And this is a side that, you know, desperately want to finish top two to have a home uh, qualifying final and, and finally not go out in straight sets and, and do the same thing they've done in the last couple of years. I think, yes, they're going to inject some youth in there and Barry's a part of that, but can't see it happening too often. And Jared Lyons is the guy that's going to have at least 50% CBAs regardless. Um, so you've got to factor that into considerations when you're, when you're choosing Jared Berry. The, the price is super attractive. This preseason has been super attractive. But um, for me, I think there are just some better options around that, um, not necessarily that price point, but just around the value market in the midfield. So I, I probably agree with you there, Foz. Let's get on to some... Uh, more of a philosophical question here. You let, let me give you a scenario here, Kako and Foz. Yeah, you're coming in to Thursday after the, after the Wednesday night game. You've had the VC on Petrarca, Clary, McRae, Gorn, you name it, and they've gone 150, 160. Are you starting a red dot to loophole to get that score, um, even though we know that cash generation is going to be king this season with all the COVID stuff and, and all that kind of stuff going on. Foz, what do you reckon? 
I hate this question. I battle with it every year um, <laughs> because it is it's a, a three hundred and twenty from a captain is is going to set up your season opener so nicely. And I know you're not playing; it's not head to head at this point. But you know, if you start the season really well, uh, you can really build into a year, uh, a really productive year, and and have a really good run. And you know, try and you know, claim whether it's top thousand, top two thousand finish, whatever your goal is having a really good start is important. You don't want to be on the back foot. Um, but in saying that, as you said, cash generation is king. Um, and you're shooting yourself a little bit in the foot by deciding to go with 29 players playing and and not 30. Um, so it is an interesting one. The one that I think I would go, if I'm going to go a red dot, would be pick someone who I know at some point is going to get a game. And I know that a couple of years ago, that was Will Gould and he's still yet to debut. <laughs> um, so it doesn't work every year. Um, but if you're going to do it, I think someone like a Nathan O'Driscoll, who's not in the best 22 at this point, um, there's been so much talk about him in the preseason and, and for the good reasons of you know looking really fit, training really well, being quite productive when he gets his chances in that preseason games. I think whether it's an early season debut, um, I don't think he's there round one, but you know, one midfielder goes down with injury or COVID. O'Driscoll's in. I, I don't think he's that far behind, and it, it's that's probably the one that I feel most comfortable with. There's probably a few rookies that I'm not even thinking about that um, might not play round one, but will definitely be in in and around the mix, and um, that I'd feel comfortable with copying a you know a donut first round and and just hampering the cash generation a little bit. But I'd want a 150, 160 score from my from Jack McRae or Clayton Oliver on Wednesday night. I don't want a 125 and going, oh, well, you know, Jack Steele or Tuke Miller might score that. They might go bigger. I'm going to just be safe because that's not safe. That's, you know, you're yeah. hampering yourself long term. Um, but if you can get the extra 40 points, 50 points um, by having a, a vice captain who bursts out of the blocks and has a rip around one, um, then it makes it sort of okay. Um but as I said, it really depends on the rookie that you're looking at keeping on your bench. I think O'Driscoll is the one that I'd feel most comfortable with um, copying a donut if he doesn't play um, and then using him as a loophole. Um, but as I said, I need a lot of points. I think um, Darcy Wilmot's an option as well. He's suspended round one, but I think he has he's a sneaky chance to play a fair few games for the Lions this year. Um, running off that halfback flank with Kitty Coleman out to start the season, um, I think he could he could be a guy who debuts pretty early on. Looked all right in their um, practice match or wherever he got suspended. I think he'll be I think he'll be one to to look out for as well. Uh, Braden Proust is probably too expensive to sit on your bench at at the ruck spot where you're probably going to get a, a guy like Jack Hayes um, that you can plonk there or Hugh Dixon or maybe even Sam Hayes. Um, but Braden Proust is suspended round one and he'll be back straight into that lineup as well. Uh, what do you what do you think, Kako? Have you Kind of, have you decided on a red dot or going 30 green dots or is that going to be up to your VC score? Yeah, look, last year, um, I think I had, I can't remember who I had first first round as my as my vice captain, but um, I, I might have been Patrick Cripps actually because um, I, I ended up starting with him at Walsh, but that's last year. Um, but what what had happened was I, I traded out Tom Powell to bring in a, a non-playing rookie to, to loophole my vice captain score. And that ended up costing me because Tom Powell is basically basically a, a hold until sort of 
just around the buy rounds or after mm. the buy rounds for a lot of people. So I think that's definitely a massive downside if you are forfeiting the spot of someone, maybe in this case, it's a, it's a Brady Hoff or, or someone like that, sort of a cheaper um, cheaper rookie. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's definitely a case to just go straight up with with 30 green dots and and, and let, let things take their course. But I think, yeah, I think we've got like Jack McRae, we know... We know how well he can score. Um, and, yeah, you know, the likes of, like, if you've got Petrarca or Oliver or Gorn as well. Um, I think, yeah, I think we know how well they can score. So they're pretty pretty dependable in terms of, of racking up a big score. I think at, at this stage I'm leaning towards just going with the with the 30, 30 green dots and um, and seeing how I go from there. But, um, but yeah, I guess I'll, I'll see in the next little bit. Yeah, I think mine will depend on the VC score. It would have to be pretty healthy for me to consider it because I am pretty set on the 30 green dots right now. And and that's simply because I think the job security of these rookies that we're going to be starting won't be good anyway. So we're probably going to end up with a red dot or two from round two onwards um, and we'll be fixing those up. So if you're going to start with one, yeah, you, I think you're just setting yourself back an extra one that you probably didn't need in the end. Let's get on to, I think, our final burning question, which is, you know, what, what are the best um rookies to start in the forward line because we have an abundance of them uh and we're going to be starting probably up around three on field potentially um as well as two on the bench in some cases so firstly foz if you had to rank guys like cam rayner who we kind of talked about with jared berry mitch mcgovern is going to be playing in the back line for the blue baggers uh and then even a guy like tristan zeri who has been rumoured to be the lead ruckman for North Melbourne this year. How would you rank those three guys? Oh, and, and we'll include Will Brody in that, those four guys. I'm starting at this stage, Cam Rayner. He's in my side, but very, very loosely in there because I know that he's the most expensive out of those four and I can go down to, to Mitch McGovern if need be, if he's not named round one. Um, but I, I do think that Cam Rayner's role in the midfield is if he gets it, which sounds like... Fagan is pretty keen to give it to him. It's enough to get him an average of about 80, um, which is exactly what you want from someone who's there for cash generation at a you know relatively cheap price. Mitch McGovern's probably, I'd rank him priority number two in that list. Um, playing that rebounding, or not rebounding, sorry, intercepting role for Carlton, taking over Liam Jones's spot. Looked really good in that um, community series game. A um, little bit more expensive than the others um, at 256k, but um, I think with the way that the team will structure, um, he'll you know he might get a kick out or two, but he's going to be that guy who's floating in between contests, taking and intercepting you know opposition kicks, and um, which is a usually a relatively safe scoring option. So I'd see him averaging about 70 to 75 for the year, um, and if Rain is not named, he'll be the one that I take. Brody is a really interesting one because all the signs are there for him to have a really good season, average 80 to 90 players, like a midfielder, wing, half forward sort of role um, as Fremantle sort of what they're doing, ticking all the right boxes at, at the Dockers. They've got a young midfield group, young side all together. Still got some really nice players and, you know, Fife and Mundy who can rotate through the midfield, but the majority of the midfield is really young. Um, I think Brody really compliments them. But I do think that his ability to play around the ground might hurt him a little bit um, in that whether he gets named in the best 22, 
plays in a forward pocket one week, plays in, you know, in the center the next week, it'll just fluctuating his scores a little bit. But also I think that he's a really good um, sort of sub player. If you're thinking about just for footy um, rather than super coach relevancy, I think that there is a chance that they might say, you know, pick you as a 23rd guy because you can play so many roles if need be, um, which scares me to death as a super coach um, player. I don't love, obviously you don't love a, you don't love a, um, a sub in your team because that means that the price will either stay the same or plummet if he actually gets pulled on the field. So uh, that's what scares me a little bit. And Tristan Cherry is another one where uh, I don't think that he's the best or the number one ruck yet. I think that that's probably going to be eased into him as the season goes on. Um, I'd hazard a guess that this is Goldie's last year um, and he'll probably start round one as number one ruck. But if you're not, if they're not playing Callum Coleman-Jones round one, then I'd be more comfortable with Cherry playing um, in my side. But if it's the three of them, prepare for a couple of 30, 40 point scores from Cherry. He's going to be a backup, backup. Uh, he's not going to be a key forward. He's purely there to ruck. And if you're playing behind both Goldstein and Callum Coleman-Jones, a bit concerning from a super coach point of view. I don't think that that's conducive for good scores. So that would probably be my order. Rayner, McGovern, Brody, Cherry. Um, but yeah, I don't really love the last two. I think when there's a game there to be won, Jerry will be a forward or on the bench. I think Goldie will be that number one ruck, which is pretty concerning um, if you're going to be starting because if you do start him, I think he has to be sitting on your field because we have a fair few basement guys like possibly Nick Martin, Kane Baldwin, Jack Hayes, Hugh Dixon. Um, I think we have a fair few of those guys that we're going to be starting uh, F9 uh, and F10, or sorry, F7 and F8. Um, so I think if you're going to be starting Sherry, it will be on your field and you've got to be super confident that he's going to get a minimum, you know, 50% CBAs to, to score, um, to score well and increase in price, you know, by that, you know, 150, 200 K. Now, Kako, I want to get you to rank them as well, because I've trust Foz, but I would like to hear a second opinion because I don't want to trust him that much. <laughs> Look, um, my, my blues bias is coming in here again, but I really like the look of Mitch McGovern. Um, as, as the top of that list, I think, yeah, I guess jumping into that Liam Jones role, there'll be, yeah, plenty of intercepting marks. We know he's got a good good pair of hands, like his brother. Um, probably take a few kickouts as well. Um, and, I, yeah, I just think I just think that role for McGovern, um, again, based on how he played in the, um, in the game against the Ds um, in the community series, I think that's, that's a really solid, solid role. And obviously at that price... Um, yeah, like really good. I think, yeah, in terms of Reyna, I'd, I'd probably have him second as well. Probably, yeah, probably behind behind McGovern there again, just because um, I guess in terms of his his security in the midfield, he's obviously competing for that um, with with those other guys like like Zorko, McCluggage, uh, Berry, um, and then if if they are sort of rotating Neil and Lyons as well, like you guys have said, um, I think. Yeah, I think he's potentially just got got the capacity to drop off a little bit if he if he's playing um, playing a bit more forward, bit bit like Dustin Martin, I guess. We know he can we know he can score the one thirty or one forty if he's got taking if he's yeah gathering thirty touches and kicking three or four goals or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think he could drop off sort of and score like a, a 60, 70 just as easily. So I probably wouldn't wouldn't have him at the top of the list there. Um, 
yeah, I, I agree with Foz. Um, probably probably have um, Tristan Cherry at the bottom. Um, yeah, just because he will be competing with Goldstein and Coleman Jones. I think um, I think the price point definitely makes him a bit more attractive um, in, in terms of that. And I guess if if one of those two guys goes down with injury, or yeah, or maybe like he isn't isn't selected, I think that makes him um, makes him a little bit more attractive. But probably probably Will Brody, um, um, yeah, would be would be third third in that list just because. Um, yeah, just because he's probably more likely to get a few sort of mid minutes for for the Dockers um, than than I guess um, Sherry would be to get consistent ruck time. So probably probably just that one change to my order and have um, have McGovern at the top and then Rayner and Brody and then Sherry. Hey, this is pretty exciting. We're about to get into the inaugural Supercoach Sanctum Pod Squad. Now we've made our own Supercoach team. Take us. Uh, through the idea um, of it, Kako, and then we'll get into some names. Well, as we as we hear in the name of this podcast and and the name of the pod squad, as Jasper's just just put forward, um, it's it's our rolling rolling team for the podcast. Um, each week, we'll go through, I guess, how the team did um, and and the in, the ins and outs, the trades we're we're looking at making, um, but we do have. A unique, unique point to that. And as the Supercoach Sanctum podcast, um, we've picked basically, I mean, apart apart from the rookies, we've picked a team um, pretty much exclusively of, of pods. Um, so I might flip back to you, Jasper, um, to kick us off with that. Yeah, well, I, I want to hear from Foz first because starting in the defence, our, our D1, he's an old boy, but he's about the best kick in the game, um, I'd say. Daniel Rich, Foz. Friend of the show, friend of the show, Daniel Rich. We are we're really due to get him on again onto the podcast because he's just a superstar. Loves to kick it long, wear sleeves on occasion, which is uh, really important. Important, um, important. We 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 needed. We did set out when we were building the squad. We needed a sleeved um, superstar, especially rebounding off halfback and kicking out from defence. So we've gone, Daniel Rich. We're really excited to see what he can do in what feels like his 30th season in the AFL. Um, still a really important role for the for the Brisbane Lions in, in hopefully a premiership year for them. There is no reason he cannot keep going at what he does over 100 pretty comfortably. Um, and like I said, he is just the best kick in the AFL off his left peg. He, it, to watch it is actually a thing of beauty. I hope you caught a few games up when you're in, in Queensland because that I want to watch that in real life as much as possible. Also glorious hair, which I don't think gets yes. pointed out enough because of his sleeves. But God, he looks like sometimes just looks like Jesus running around out there. It's just a sight to is, see. Yeah, it is the most golden blonde, isn't it? It's it's pretty sensational. Uh, friend of the show, as we say. Now, D2 is my pick, and he's coming off two calf complaints, which is a bit of an issue, and that's why we're not starting him. But he's been in my preseason squad until he did those. Jordan Dawson is going to be huge for the Crows because he's just about their only good player. And I think that he's a guy that could possibly push and be like a top three defender this year. We saw what he did on a wing to finish off last season um, with the Swans. He was kicking bags like three and four goals because he was just his gut running is is on another level to other wingmen in the competition. Um, I think for the Crows, he can be like a seriously good um, super coach player. I think Seedsman was pretty awesome last year, and Jordan Dawson is a much better player than than Paul Seedsman. All due respect. Um, so I think that he could be a great 
uh, player. Only if only about three percent ownership right now because of those calf complaints. Moving on to D three, another one of your boys, Foz, Lukey Ryan. It feels like he's finally got his key defenders back. Um, they've just been perpetually injured for the Dockers, but he's finally got them all back and he's ready to ready to explode. Yeah, he's um he's another one who is perpetually at the top of the um, list in terms of point scoring defenders. Um, last few years he has been playing as a sort of a second key tall, um, even though he's you know I think he's like 186, 187 centimeters. So no, he's not massive, um, but he's playing that um, that role that isn't usually good for super coach, but still manages to score 100 most weeks. Um, so moving, you know, getting back his key defenders, Brennan Cox is back. Um, Griffin Logue will probably be playing a little bit of football there. Um, we talked about Heath Chapman being a tall bloke as well. Joel Hamling's around the mark as well. So there's definitely key defenders if they're fit and firing and, and in that best 22. So Lukey Ryan is a really good option as a rebounding, intercepting defender. I can see him top six pretty easily. Um, yeah, just a pod because there's every year there's so many great options in the back line and um, it's really hard to go wrong with all these picks. Um, you, you could take Jack Siebel and if he stays fit, he's another really good option and that no one's talking about, especially with Aaron Hall out injured at the moment, but not yeah. saying that he's on our side, but just saying that there's, there's definitely picks out there that no one talks about because um, there's just so many great options in the back line this year. Yeah, Ryan's currently at 7% ownership. This bloke next up is at 1% ownership. He dealt with a little concussion issue at the end of last season and missed a little bit of preseason um, before December. But Will Powell, with no Jack Lacocious in the back line, we've got no Jack Bowes in the back line anymore. He's the main guy coming out of the, the back line for the Gold Coast Suns, who looked good over preseason. Average 82. I reckon he can push that by at least 15 points and become a, a genuine premium because... This, this kid is an absolute star, one of the most underrated players in the competition, Kako. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, yeah, picking this, we're all pretty pretty unanimous about it as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Will Power. I think I just love the way he goes about it. And, and as you say, he's not got much competition for for all the possessions and, and the kickouts and, and the runoff halfback in the Suns back line at the moment. Um, and yeah, 446K is, um, and yeah, just a really attractive um, attractive pick, and I look. I'm after after all this chat of willpower. I'll probably probably look towards <laughs> picking him in my own team. I think because um, nice. yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Ultra pot at one percent. The next guy, but well, we've talked about Jordan Dawson. Uh, we're about to talk about hopefully his replacement at the Swans, Justin McInerney at six percent ownership. 411k, I think, is an absolute steal for this guy. If you have the guts, I think he can average more than George Hewitt this season. Call me crazy, but Ooh. I love this kid. He's only 21 years old and he's going to be an absolute superstar for many years to come for the Swans. And he's just going to own one of those wings, get a few CBAs, kick a few goals, get a lot of meters gained, use the ball really well. Um, I think Justin McInerney is going to be an absolute star. Uh, Foz? Yeah, I agree. I think that he's a, um, as you said, he's, he's that ideal replacement for Jordan Dawson. And we saw how, how good Jordan was at the end of last year playing us at half back into a wing. Um, so to have the two of them in our side is really exciting. Um, McInerney is, is obviously a really good pick as well. Had a really good um, preseason um, in terms of the trial game, but also that um, community series game from memory, you know, has a really friendly role alongside Jakey Lloyd and in, in um, that sort of rebounding, going to take plenty of kickouts. I'm sure Jakey Lloyd will take most of them, but 
a kick out is three points at the end of the day. So the more we can take, the better we're going to be. Um, and at 411K, really cheap, especially for a D5. Where we've, we've gone deep in the back line, which is um, a, you know, a good place to go deep. Personally, I think I, I really like how we've gone uh, five premium mid-price, I guess, options who were picking a few breakouts, which is a bit dangerous, but you know, that's why we do it. We love it. We love the pods. Now we got a rookie at D6, D7, D8. So let's get on to M1, our most expensive player, uh, Foz, Callum Mills. Yeah, we love our swans, don't we? Callum Mills obviously had a, had a ripper year last year when he moved into the midfield and he's mid only this year. Um, just another fantastic ball winner. Um, obviously, there was so many, so much talk about him and Heaney rotating through the midfield, building up those midfield minutes. And finally, we saw one of them, being Callum Mills, finally <laughs> make that transition. And, and God, was he just... A fantastic player and, and the way that Sydney is structured and, and on the rise this year with all their young talent, I just see him being a really key piece to that midfield rotation and, and having another ripper year. So, you know, probably going to average around 115. 120 is not off, you know, out of the question, but he is um, prone to some really big scores as well. Every now and again, he just have, he'll just he hit a 160, 170. So another great VC option. We love that. Um, and hopefully we can just find a little bit more consistency from him as he... Um, really develops into a, a star midfielder for the competition. Achilles issues is pretty scary, but he looks to be over it. Had eight tackles in the first half of the Amy series game. Uh, and he's only in 1% aside. So I think that's a, that's a pretty fun pod to, to be starting with uh, in Supercoach this season. Let's get on to a, a guy um, that I'm shocked is only in 11% of teams, Kako. Yeah, that's right. And it's Christian Petrarca. And obviously we saw, Saw what he did in the grand final, uh, the Norm Smith medalist, big, big bag of goals, big, big haul of all of touches. And um, yeah, at, at only 11% ownership, like you say, Jasper, that's, that's crazy that he's in, he's in that few teams. So we know his dynamic ability, know what he can do um, for the D's and we know what he can do to other teams as well. Um, and, and that's a pretty, pretty uh, safe pick for us. And, and he'll be our captain heading into round one as well. Yes, uh, he will lead the boys out. Uh, getting on to a guy who there's been a lot of talk about him over the preseason. I don't think anybody or not too many people got the guts to actually start him. Andy Brayshaw is only in 6% of teams, but I feel like I've heard his name mentioned by about 50% of coaches this preseason, uh, Foz. Yeah, he's another one that um, a couple of years ago had that breakout season and He's just he's just another young upcoming midfielder that we just want to see go to that next level. Um, a bit of data that I've been looking at recently is predicting him to average around 118 for the year, which Oof. if he does that would be fantastic. Take um, those. It's essentially just looking at his outliers and um, just getting, getting rid of them. He doesn't have many really low scores, but he can go really big, which is what really excites me. Mm. Um, but yeah, if he can sort of start to eliminate those sort of 70, 80, 90 scores and and become you know bring that that bottom basement i guess score to around that 100 mark sky's the limit for him i think he's going to be a really important piece to the um the Fremantle puzzle um in terms of that midfield rotation um but also in the past what's held him back a little bit has been his time on ground he's only ever really played 65 to 85 percent of games and if he can build that tank um and really rotate through that midfield and then you know push forward if he needs a rest rather than going to the bench Yep. There's just going to be more opportunity for him to score points. You know, if he can bag an extra, you know, five goals for the season, his score's just going to jump. Uh, we couldn't afford 
Darcy Parrish um, in this midfield, but he's another guy like Brayshaw where if you remove the outliers, he is he, his ceiling is you know 190 against the Caps last year. He can go absolutely huge again. Um, but I'm starting him in my team, uh, in my actual classic team, because I'm bullish about his output. So I don't think he's that unique, even though he's only an 8% of sides. So let's get on to the next one. It's Adam Chera, Kako, your boy. Uh, he's going to wear the sleeves, hopefully, for the baggers. He will look good in the in the Navy uh, sleeves out there. And I think he's going to be a very classy player in the midfield. That's right. Everyone looks good in the Navy blue and even better in the Navy blue sleeves as well. Um, yeah, adding adding Chera this year, it's going to be going to be insane watching Cripps and Walsh and Chera running out and, and starting at the center bounce for the Blues. But yeah, I think... Um, I think we saw what he did for the Dockers last year, and um, and I think just with a more more consistent uh, role and being sort of more relied on as as one of the stars at the Blues, um, yeah, there's no reason why he can't can't go big again this year. Starting at a decent price as well, he's four ninety. I can't read yeah. on my screen. Four ninety k, and yeah, I, I think um, think he's a. An exciting, exciting pick. Um, keen to see what he can do for us. On to the next one. Got a mid-pricer here. Not much talked about him. Rolled his ankle in the in the preseason, but he's going to play round one. And I think you're bullish on him here, Foz. Not bullish enough to start with him in, in your team, but definitely enough to start him uh, in the Supercoach Sanctum pod squad. Yeah, Paddy Lipinski is a superstar. Um, obviously, we saw glimpses of his ability for the Western Bulldogs. And also for Footscray in the VFL, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but just behind some absolute classy players at, at the Doggies, never really got his a true chance to show what he can do. And at Collingwood is, you know, not an ideal place to land as a, um, you know, if you want to play finals because they are in a, a serious rebuild phase. But that's exactly what you want to see from a super coach perspective. Someone who's just going to take over that midfield. It's going to be him and Nicky Dacos. Um, Dacos obviously rotating into the back line a little bit, but there's no talk of Paddy Lipinski moving forward onto a half-forward flank like he did at the Bulldogs. Um, he's going to be a pure midfielder. We've seen him, you know, the ability for him to rack up possessions. And, you know, if he does push forward, he's going to kick goals as well. But I just think him in the guts is exactly what Collingwood need to sort of try and jumpstart this rebuild. And it's going to be exactly what we need in terms of super coach points at 359K. It's so cheap for someone who could easily average 105 points, 110 points. Uh, it's probably a little bit more than you'd, you'd think, but I think hundreds easily on the cards. He's just a really good player and um, just stuck behind some some serious talent at the Bulldogs. Rivaling Christian Petrarca for the best-looking man in our squad as well, Lipper. Uh, let's get on. Well, we're, we're going to have three rookies in the midfield, I think. Um, there's too many uh, good value rookies that, that'll rise in price there. So let's get on to the Rucks. And my boy, Rowan Marshall, 536K. Now, we know that Ryder will be back at some point. It won't be round one. It'll be Jack Hayes rucking with Marshall. And we know how good he is without Ryder. Um, when Ryder comes back, I don't, he's, not the, he's not the man anymore. He's not going to be uh, getting more than like 30% CBAs, in my opinion. He's pretty good forward, so he'll be a good foil to Max King. Uh, and Rowan Marshall is ready to explode, in my opinion. Uh, he's not going to rival Gorn and Grundy's averages, I don't think, but he is going to rival a guy like Sean Darcy who's had an interrupted preseason with that Achilles. Um, I think Marshall can be possibly the third highest scoring ruck this season. And if Ryder does come back and take CBAs, we might get Marshall into the forwards to, to swap with a guy um, who, are begin- who are going to be starting in the forward line. So I'm pretty excited uh, to have Marshall at R1. At R2, friend of the show, Foz. Best friend of the show. 
best the, friend of the show. The big, best friend. Big boy, Marky Pitnett. Superstar in waiting. I reckon he's just going to explode this year. He's got a new nose. <laughs> now, talk me through this because this is what apparatus. sold me. This is what sold me. He's VO2 max. <laughs> he's. We know what he can do on the field. He's a big boy. He's going to throw his body around. He's going to get those hit outs, um, especially with Tom DeConning in the wings. He needs to prove himself, get that contract extension. He's out of contract at the end of the year. So we really want to see a big season from Pitto. But in the off season, he went down to the club. He had a chat with the coaches. He had a chat with the medical staff because, you know, he busted his finger last year. He's, you know, always seems to be in a little bit of pain. So having, you know, a rotating potential option in our forward line who we're going to address in just a moment to be able to fill in just in case Pito does go down with injury is very important. Um, I think that's a really good piece. But he went down to the medical tent down at Carlton Land and they ran him through some tests. He sat on the desk and sat at the desk and said, you know, I feel like I'm ready to go to the next level. You know, what, what do I need to do? And they looked at him and they said, Mark, you need a new nose. I said, what? <laughs> he said, what do you mean? What do you mean I need a new nose? He's like, we, you know, we looked, took some scans. You know, it's, you busted it in your first year at Hawthorne. Uh, you, you busted it a few times at school and, you know, in junior footy. It's never truly healed properly. It's, there are, it's causing concerns around the club. Not, it's not so much that you're, you know, you can't win hit outs and you can't kick the footy, but your ability to get around the ground is genuinely hampered by the fact that you can't breathe properly. <laughs> so he went, in, he went under the knife. He had reconstructive surgery um, to straighten out his nostrils, essentially. Um, he had some bone protruding and, and covering up a little bit. They, they did tests before he had the surgery and after he fully recovered. Mind you, no real training. You can't, you can't train properly when you've got a busted nose because especially when you've had surgery around it, um, because you don't want like you don't want to be breathing heavily through your nose, so it was actually very hard for him to do um, to do any exercise. Tested him beforehand, tested him after. CO two max up seventy percent. He's going to be a superstar, Brody Grundy two big boy. We love it. Um, Can you believe this? The breakout season from Pitto we've been looking for for the last seven years. I mean, he averaged eighty five last year. I don't see why he can't average one hundred and seventy next year. They just double it. Let's go. Yeah, well, what's the 70% net. increase on 85? Because I think we can lock that in right now. He might actually have to be our captain option. Sorry, Track. I said captain. I said it, and Track has obviously been overall two to one. But after round one against Toby Nankervis, when he scores 150, you guys are going to realize that Marky Pitnett is here to play, and he's going to get a million dollars a year next year. We're really excited. We might have to Photoshop Pitto onto that I'm the captain now meme because Nank thinks he's the captain, but he's going to get a rude shock on Thursday night. <laughs> Let's get on to the forwards because we've got another Ruckman here at, at F1. Tim English is ready to explode, Kako. I am so keen to watch this man on Wednesday night. I am as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim English. Um, I think, yeah, he's obviously playing alongside Steph Martin in that, in that dog's midfield. But um, look, it, he's a few seasons into his AFL career now and he's, he's well-developed. He's Played sort of back up to, to Steph Martin last year, but it's it's almost his time to assume the, the number one ruck role at the Dogs. Um, and I think, um, yeah, he's probably probably ready to take take at least sort of 40-60, 50-50 um, control of that, um, of that ruck position. And when he's not, he's going to be um, a, a big focal point uh, of the Dogs forward line. Obviously, without Josh Bruce, um, but it'll, alongside Aaron Norton, we know Tim English has got a great pair of hands. 
um, a big forward presence and and there's no reason why he can't go go big as well this year. So he's our F1 um, in the pod squad. Now, three of your boys in the forward line here, Foz. Uh, Taran Thomas, we all love him. Lockie Weller as a defender and Connor Nash. I want you to actually convince me that Connor Nash is a decent option, even for this pod squad, but the other two I really like. All right, we'll just, we'll just talk about Connor Nash because Taron Thomas, midfielder this year, lock in an average of 100, done. Wish I could fit him into my side. I've gone Zach Butters instead, so picking him here instead. Lockie Weller, rebounding defender, another one who I think will average 90, um, probably too expensive to, to have in your, your normal team, but this is a mean team and we love that, which is why we've gone with Connor Nash, <laughs> superstar of the competition, the greatest Irish product to ever grace our great game. Well, I mean, um, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but, but no. Connor Nash is, it's just a, he's a funny, funny sort of character in that I can't remember the last time he was ever any good at footy, but Sam Mitchell loves him it's almost like he, they live together and they're you know fostering a, a little little baby somewhere that they've adopted because it's just incredible the connection that these two have um i can't see a situation under sam mitchell where Connor nash doesn't play a game of afl when he's fit or not suspended um and That's i think he's a, <laughs> i think he's a decent chance to play in the midfield and we saw Remember when Sam Mitchell took over halfway through last season? Or yeah. That, you know, six Connor or seven Nash games the midfielder. Ago? Connor Nash Bullocking. came from the VFL, came from the Box Hill Hawks, where he played midfield, put in the guts, average 90 to finish the year. TBC. Check the, the stats on that because I have not. <laughs> but from memory, he had a couple of hundreds. He had a couple of 80s. Um, I think that he's going to average 85, maybe, 90, maybe. At 310K, mid-price madness. I, I just don't see where we can go wrong with him, to be honest. Well, I think I can see where we're going to go wrong with him, but I like the pick regardless because he's going to be one of our boys this year. We're going to follow along very closely with Connor Nash and see if he doesn't get delisted because if he doesn't, he's, he's done something right. And that, that's good news for our uh, Super Coach pod squad. Finally, we've all tipped this bloke for the Coleman. Well, I tipped Aaron Norton, but I'm, I'm on board with Bailey Fridge winning the Coleman at three, 367K. If he can, you know, get his, his 20 touches as a high half forward and then also kick three to four goals a game, Kako, this is a this is a genuine, decent super coach option because Bailey Fritch is a is an absolute gun. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Bailey Fritch. I've said that about a lot of people today, but um, but yeah, Bailey Fritch is definitely my pick for the Coleman. And I see no reason why he can't have sort of that 15 to 20 touches, three to four goals, and maybe sort of around around 10 marks. Um, a game and I think yeah I think he, he is that sort of dynamic type forward and he can play tall he can he can mark and rack up a few touches a bit as well and I think um 367k is a pretty decent price point for him um just kicks bags as well kick what six in the grand final um started off his his preseason with another six against the blues I know it's the blues um but <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bailey Fritch, and I reckon he can he can do just as well throughout the rest of the season. There you have it. That's our pod squad: Daniel Rich, Jordan Dawson, Luke Ryan, Will Power, Justin McInerney in the midfield, Cal Mills, Christian Petrarca. How is he a pod? Andy Brayshaw, Adam Chera, Pat Lipinski in the rucks. We got Ron Marshall and our captain Mark Pitnett. 
Then in the fours, Tim English, Tyron Thomas, Lockie Weller, Bailey Fritch, and then Connor Nash to round that out with a bunch of rookies for some cash generation to get some more pods in, Foz. How about you lead us out of this one, Kako? It's been a good pod to kick off our 2022 season. It has indeed. Thank you for joining us for a bit of a blockbuster uh, first episode of 22, 2022, in fact, um, on the Supercoach Sanctum podcast. We will be back on Mondays or Tuesdays yeah. every week to review the round and preview the next round. Um, and in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at SC Sanctum and at Instagram as well, which we'll be getting up right after this when I set it up. Uh, but thank you for joining us again today uh, and we'll catch you next week.